Amen. Well, we are going to continue in our series tonight uh, called Anxious for Nothing. We're in part three. You know, when we started this, uh, the, you know, stu- this stuff was starting to happen and thought this would really be just a one-off, but, um, you know, we've, there's just been continued uh, direction here, and, you know, we endeavor to seek the Lord and, and determine what He would have us to, to speak on. You know, it's not just a matter of, well, I think I'll, I'll preach this tonight. Uh, can't do that. If I did that, it would be so dead because I'm, it's not me speaking. It is looking to Him and what He wants to minister to us through uh, uh, us, through a person. And it's by the anointing. And so we're looking to Him right now like we prayed. Uh, let's look at Philippians 4.6. Philippians 4.6. Philippians 4, 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, If there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. In the Amplified Classic, it says, Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, verse 6 says. In the New Living Translation, it says, Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. So be anxious for nothing. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Do not worry about anything. If you're truly not anxious, you know, these are the words of the, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul. If you're really not anxious for anything, then you believe something. You believe it's going to be okay, whatever it is. The only way you're anxious, the only way you're worrying, the only way we're fretting is if somehow we believe we're going to lose something, something isn't going to go right. But if you don't honestly have any anxiety, if we're actually not worrying, then we believe something. We believe we're going to make it through. You can't fake it, not to yourself. You may be able to fool other people. You probably can't fool that, those that are really close to you. But if you, if, you, if you are truly calm, then it's a function of what you're thinking on and what you believe. The reason you're calm is because you believe something. What you think on is going to determine what you believe, and what you believe is going to, ter- is going to determine what you do. John 16, 33 Let's look at this briefly in passing. John 16, 33. It says, These things I have spoken to you. This is Jesus speaking. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Jesus said... 
he's speaking, he's, he's speaking to his t- disciples, and he says, These things I've spoken to you so that you may have peace. And then he says, In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So Jesus himself said, In this world we're going to have, we're going to have tribulation. Not might, not maybe, he said we would. But he said also, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world. Tribulation, and for those of you that, you know, that you guys that come here, you've heard me say these things before this, this definition. But tribulation, the word that, that means tribulation, you know, I'm not a Greek scholar, but you can look these things up. This word, I'm not going to try to pronounce it, says it means pressure, oppression, stress, anguish, tribulation, adversity, affliction, crushing, squashing, squeezing, or distress. I'm going to read those words again. It means this word. So Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation. But he also said, be of good cheer, I've overcome it. But this word tribulation, what he said we were going to have are these things. Pressure, oppression, stress, anguish, tribulation, adversity, affliction, crushing, squashing, squeezing, distress. So Jesus said that there would be this. And you know, there has been a lot of this. There is a lot of pressure right now. And uh, it's in many areas. Uh, Health, financial, social, organizational, family. I mean, you know, of course there's the health aspect of it with the, the current situation. But right along with it, there are organizational challenges because everybody is displaced in one way or another, and that, that causes a lot of, you know, friction. There, there, we have to change the way we work, to change the way we're doing church, change the way, uh, you know, our, our other interactions. And that, that's something that we don't deal with regularly, so it adds another element of something we have to overcome. It creates pressure. It creates this squashing and squeezing. Socially, you know, you, you just being cooped up and not being able to see people. You know, we've had people say, we, uh, with the church, you, you miss getting together, get, getting uh, to see each other face to face. This is awesome. What we're able to do, thank God, that we can meet in this way, but it's not the same as uh, getting together. And that, cr- that creates stress. That creates pressure. You know, uh, family. We're cooped up together. Everybody is, and that, that'll... You know, it's great to see each other. I'm talking generally, but uh, that can that can create pressure. That can create stress, and so there is a lot of pressure and stress right now. There is constant uncertainty with details changing on a daily basis. You know, we just got another email this afternoon about the the schools in Andover have just extended the time off uh, for many more weeks, and. Uh, you know, you have press, and press uh, briefings daily and, and, and things change. You know, different states are making changes and, you know, constantly changing and that creates pressure. There's, no, there's not a, a sense of continuity. Just the logistics of the, con, the continuous change takes a toll. 
it takes a toll on, on uh, how we interact and how we act in our routine. In general, we like a routine, and that's been upended. Right now, I mean, this applies in, in general, but, but, but there is this. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. And we'll get into the heart of what we want to cover now. Go ahead and turn there. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. Praise God. Now, we, we prayed together. We believe that we are getting what we need. So I trust you guys are all pulling. You're all expecting. We're pulling together and believing God that we're going to get exactly what, he need, what we need. And He is uh, faithful to meet us. You can already tell. There is a, an anointing right now for us to preach and teach and to, to get what He has for us. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 says, He said to me, this is Paul, and he's talking about what the Lord said to him. And, you know, he's talking about this persecution that's been hitting him over and over. But he goes to the Lord, and, he, and, he, and uh, the Apostle Paul says, And he said to me, the Lord said to him, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I'm going to read that in the NIV. In the NIV version, it says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My grace. Whose grace? The Lord's grace. God's grace. His grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. The New King James said, My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest upon me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now that's counterintuitive for us in general. You know, when you're weak, you don't feel strong, you feel weak. If you're, if you're getting pressed, if things are stressful, you have a tendency to feel, you know, stretched, weak, pushed. But the Bible is saying right here, in, it's exactly in this type of situation. When we are weak, when we are being pushed, when we feel like, I, I don't know how I can get past this. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. This situation, and this situation, and this situation, now this, and then this change, and then this is going to happen. When we feel, start to feel that coming on, we can be encouraged by what this says right here. It says, let's go back to verse 9. My, he said to me, the Lord said, and this applies to us, my grace is sufficient. What does sufficient mean? It's enough. 
it's enough for you. My grace, my power is made perfect or evident or fully known in weakness. God's power is most evident when it's coming through somebody that doesn't look like, when it looks like there's no way this should happen, but God delights in showing himself strong to those who trust him. He delights, and you see this throughout the word, when a situation looks like there's no way, and it looks like there's an unlikely person, unlikely group to work through. He does that. And for us to see those types of things, then we need to be encouraged and conscious of the fact that His grace is sufficient, that His grace is available. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Again, counterintuitive. Paul is saying, I'll boast when I'm feeling weak because I know that God can work through me more than He ever can because I'm relying on Him. When you feel like you can operate okay in yourself, it's tempting to just go on autopilot. You're good at something. You, you know, standard, standard operating procedure. I can do this. I've done this before. I'll do it again. Hey, I'm just chugging along. But when things get disrupted, when we get to the place where we're pushed and pressed, the tendency is to say, I don't want to go. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with that. You feel out of our comfort zone, out of uh, our normal operating procedure. Paul is saying in those places, he said, I'm going to boast about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. In other words, I can do what I need to do because his strength is sufficient for me, his grace. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. This is is totally counter to the way we, ought, we, we normally think. What? That he's saying, I delight when these things are happening. Weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, difficulties. Because he says then, why would he even say that? When I'm weak, then I'm strong. When I am feeling weak, I am strong. I can come through whatever it is that's making me feel weak because... Christ's power is upon me, not because I'm so great, not like I'm going to kick it into another gear and I'm going to get it done. Uh, you can bounce up against something that you cannot get done. You can't do it. You can't do it. See, and even natural thinking, I mean, thinking positively is better than thinking negative, but you can bounce up against something. You don't have the power. You don't have the resources. You may not have the know-how, and you may feel like I'm insufficient, and that's exactly when we need to know God is sufficient and His grace is sufficient. And He says here, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Why? Because I am resting fully on Him, and I'm glorifying Him, and I'm saying, Lord, I don't see how, but you can do it. How would we not be anxious in a situation when it's pressing and pushing and squeezing and all these things we read? The way, one way is that we're, we know that it may be pressing, it may be squeezing, it may look impossible, but God's grace is sufficient in that. Now I can say, God, I'm trusting you. I'm choosing to trust you. Instead of going overseas, the, uh, the, the alternative is to start getting anxious about it, which isn't going to solve anything. It's not going to help. But we need to understand that God's grace is sufficient 
to bring us through whatever it is that's pushing. Right now, we need to understand that God's grace is sufficient, more than enough to take us through and take us uh, it, it just in an overcoming fashion. We need to understand that His grace is sufficient. His grace, God's grace, is His ability working in us and for us that which we could never accomplish on our own. That's His grace. Salvation, by the grace of God, we're saved. By grace, through faith, we've been saved, the Bible says in Ephesians 2, verse 8. We're not going to look at that tonight. But it, it says, by grace, through faith. It's by His grace. In other words, His grace made salvation available. His grace made all the things that are available in Christ, but we receive it by faith. We, we believe it, but His grace is what's going to bring us through. We could not save ourselves. We could not help ourselves in that fashion. There's nothing we could do to become right with God, but God in His grace through Jesus did it. Well, that's how we're supposed to live, not just with salvation. We're supposed to live by grace. And when we bump up against our limits... We're supposed to go to God and say, Lord, your grace is sufficient. Your grace can take me through this. Grace is everything that we will ever need to do what he's called us to do. I'm going to say that again. Grace is everything we will ever need to do what he's called us to do. So if we know that he's called us to do something, then his grace will take us over. His grace will bring us to the other side. If we've, if we've determined we're doing the right thing, now that's important. We need to understand, and we, we've preached series about that, and you guys know that, those of you that are here. We, we got done with the series um, last year called Hearing From Him, or we, I think it was into this year, but we just, it was a few, a little bit back anyway, Hearing From Him. If it's on the website, go listen to it. We talked about listening to the voice of God and what not talking about an audible voice, but talking about his his voice in us, his spirit in us through his word, through his spirit, how to recognize it. And we, we need to understand that we need to follow him. And he is so gracious to lead us and guide us and help us. But if we know we're on the right track. Things can still get hard. We read in John 16, Jesus said, you will have tribulation. Just because you're on God's path in his plan for our lives does not mean everything is smooth sailing. It doesn't mean everything just automatically happens easily. Paul himself is an example of that. When he is saying this in this letter, he's saying he, he's talking to God, saying, God, can you get rid of these challenges? I'm getting persecuted left and right. Well, he was in the will of God. He was doing what God told him to do, but he was coming up against challenges because we do have an enemy. We live in a fallen world. There are challenges, but we need to understand that God's grace is there to kick into overdrive. When we start getting pushed, we can know, God, it's not just me. It's your grace through me, and you can take me over. 
But we will have challenges. If we just wait, if we think the life of faith is, I won't ever have any more challenges, we're not believing the Bible. And then we're wondering why something is happening rather than just in the midst of it saying, God, you're going to take me through. Lord, show me what to do. I'm doing what you, I believe you told me to do. And if I need to switch and change, you show me that too. I'm open, but I believe no matter what, I'm going to trust your grace and I'm not going to get anxious. Because I know your grace is sufficient. Your grace is sufficient. Let's look at uh, Psalm 94, 18. You don't have to turn there. We'll just put it up on the screen. Psalm 94, verse 18. This the psalmist says here, If I say my foot slips, your mercy, O Lord, will hold me up. When you're going and doing what you believe you're supposed to do, you know, you get the picture. I'm not a mountain climber. I have friends that are mountain climbers. But I'm not a mountain climber. But, you know, you're pushing, uh, hiking or whatever, and you're trying to go up something and your foot's slipping. You don't know exactly how you're going to make it forward. You can feel yourself slipping. You're on the path, but you can feel yourself moving. That's what he's talking about. The psalmist is saying, my foot slips. It says, your mercy, O Lord, will hold me up. If we get to that place where, like, Lord, I, I, don't, I don't see how to push on. I don't see how to go forward here. I'm slipping. I feel like I'm moving. The Lord said, or it says here, the Lord, you will hold me up. Verse 19, in the multitude of my anxieties within me, your, you, your comforts delight my soul. The psalmist here is being pushed, but it also says, your comforts delight my soul, calm me. In the NIV, it said, when I said, my foot is slipping, your unfailing love, Lord, supported me. When I said, Lord, I, I, I don't know, I don't know how, I'm, this is pushing on me. Instead of saying, I'm going down, he's saying, Lord, you supported me. You brought me up. Your love supported me. We need to know that God's unfailing love is available to us now. His love is toward us. He's with us. He is for us. And He will help us get through to the other side. We're to go to Him when we have challenges. Hebrews 4.14. Go ahead and turn to that. Hebrews 4.14. Talking about His grace. His grace is sufficient for us. And when we understand this, we can be calm in the midst of the storm. In the very midst of challenges swirling all around, we can be calm, we can be without worry, we can be without anxiety, because His Word is true. And His grace is sufficient. Hebrews 4, verse 14 Hebrews 4, verse 14, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, 
but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Verse 15 says, we don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weaknesses. In other words, we don't, Jesus is not someone that's saying, buck it up. What, you, you're feeling stressed? What's your problem? He's not a hard taskmaster. He is not pushing. That's not God. And we'll see that more in a minute as we turn to another scripture. That's not his attitude. He is God Almighty. If there's anybody that has any right to look at you and me and say, wow, what, you can't do more than that? And to look at us and condescend, it's him. But he doesn't, he's not like that. He, it says, we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He was tempted. He was pushed. He felt that tribulation. He felt stressed. He felt... The, it coming down on him, but he was without sin. That means he didn't worry. That means he didn't let it get in him. That means he didn't let it stop him. He went on, but he knows what it feels like. He knows what we are dealing with. So in verse 16, it says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Let's come boldly to the throne of God Almighty, how, why? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That we, when we need the help, that we come to Him and say, God, I need your help. I need to know how to get through this. I need to know what to do next. Lord, this is pushing me. We don't have to let it dominate us, but we can acknowledge, God, this is pushing on me, but I'm looking to you. I can trust you. Your grace is sufficient. Your grace can take me over. Your grace can help me to the other side such that I, I look and say, this is, I'm, all, I'm better off than ever. In any situation, we need to understand that we can come boldly to the Lord. Boldly meaning we're not timid going, oh Lord, I, I know, I, I just, I, I'm not there yet. And, 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 and acting groveling and acting uh, timid, it says boldly. That means coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, I need your help. I, I'm, I'm feeling weak. Like the Paul, Apostle Paul said, I, I'm bold about it. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. So I'll boast that I'm weak. I'll say, you know what? I can't do this, but God can. God can do it. He can help me. He can bring me over. He can show me what to do. His grace, His his uh, ability toward me, it means, you know, his, his favor as well, but it's a really big word, grace is. But focusing on that enablement part, his grace is toward us to do what he's told us to do. In other words, if he told us to do it, his ability is there to help us to get over to the other side, to help us to get there. Let's look at Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. 
Jesus is not a hard taskmaster. He's not saying, well, you figure it out on your own. He says, come to me. I'll help you with it. Matthew 11, verse 28. Matthew 11, verse 28. His grace is sufficient for us. His grace is enablement to do what He asked us to do. When anything in His Word, anything specifically, if we're doing what He called us to do, there is strength and grace to not only get through, but to triumph in it, to, 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 to overcome in every way, to come through it with momentum, if you know what I mean. Going over the finish line, breaking that tape with speed, not just barely crawling over, but, but running. Because God's grace is sufficient. In Matthew 11, verse 28 says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He didn't say I'd toss you out. didn't say I'd you know, scold you. He said I'll give you rest. When we're pressed, when we're pushed, when things are pressing on us, we come to Him. And He said, I'm going to give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let's read it in the Amplified Classic. Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, in the Amplified Classic Edition. It says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. Pressed, squeezed, squashed, all those words we read earlier. You know, tribulation pushing on us. Got you to wear... You're laboring, you're heavy laden, overburdened. He said, I'll cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. Take my yoke upon, me, upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle, meek, and humble, humble, lowly in heart, and you will find rest, relief, and ease, and refreshment, and recreation, and blessed quiet for your souls. That sound like not worrying. That sounds like not being anxious, not fretting, finding rest in the midst of the pressure. Didn't say the pressure went away. It says in the midst of it, we are taking comfort and strength that we are with him and he'll bring us through. Now notice it says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. We have to make sure especially when things are busier than normal, that we are doing what He wants us to do and not adding things that we think we should do. Sometimes that's part of the problem. We get into a position where we think we need to do all these other things. You know, when we're in a place where things are different than normal, sometimes we got to let go of certain things, maybe temporarily because they don't need to be done. You can't do everything. And we, but sometimes we put that pressure on ourselves and we think, yeah, but it should be this and this. And now I got all this other stuff to do. And how am I going to do everything? Well, the question is, what does God want us to do? Because his yoke, he said, my yoke, take upon my yoke upon me, upon you and learn of me. So we have to make sure his yoke is what we have. Lord, should I be doing this? 
do you want me to do this other thing? I really thought this other thing was a good idea, but maybe that's not what you have. Because so many times we're stressing ourselves out doing something that we don't even need to do. And we're maybe fretting about something because we think if we don't get it done now, it's not gonna, something won't happen here and it won't happen here. So we've pulled it up now and we're stressed about it and we're trying to get it done now. When in fact, once we get to the next week, we, we, we may realize we didn't even need to do that. But we're stressing about it now because we're, we think that if I don't get it done now, it won't be done in time, when in reality, the situation could change, and we didn't need to do it at all. We need to be led. If we're led by Him so many times, there's less pressure to begin with. So that's one aspect. We just got to make sure when we're feeling the pressure, Lord, am I doing what you need me to do? And get rid of anything that we don't feel like we need to do. That doesn't mean that we don't have responsibilities and things that are true pressures. And even in the midst of that, now, Lord, I'm, taking, I'm doing what you told me to do. With everything I know to do, I'm doing what you, know, you told me to do. Well, he said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle, humble, lowly in heart, and you will find rest. Sometimes it may not even be something we're picking up to do, actually, physically, or, you know, a task. But we are, in our mental state, taking things up that we don't need to do. And he said his yoke, if we're doing it the way he would want us to do, he said it's, it's a relief. He said we'll find relief and ease and refreshment and recreation and blessed quiet for our souls. He said in verse 30, for my yoke is wholesome. It's useful, it's good, it's not harsh, it's not sharp, it's not pressing, but it's comfortable, gracious. Notice that. It's gracious. His yoke isn't hard, his yoke is gracious. His yoke is kind. His yoke, you're going to be able to bear. Like he told the Apostle Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. You're not going to go down. You're not going to fail. If you look to, he's saying, if you look to me, I'll take you over. He said, not, it's not harsh, hard, sharp, pressing, but comfortable, gracious, and pleasant. And my burden is light and easy to be borne. Light and easy to be borne. His grace will take us through when we are bumping up against something we don't see how I'm going to do it. When it looks impossible, we need to say, Lord, I can do whatever you asked me to do. I can overcome with your strength and your help. Let's look at Luke 8, 22. We'll put it up there, but um, you can turn to this one. We're going to look at two accounts of this. This is where the disciples... Go out on the boat with Jesus. I'll give you a minute to turn there. I'm going to bring it up. Luke 8.22 says, Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. So notice what happened. He got in the boat with his disciples, and the first thing he says is, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. Now, question right here. 
Jesus, the first thing he said is that we're going to cross over to the other side of the lake. So is this his will for them to go in the boat? He said they're going to the other side of the lake. So this is his will. But notice in the middle of this, second part of verse 23, a windstorm came down the lake and they were filling with water. And we're in jeopardy. You would think sometimes uh, people have had the mentality that if I'm doing what God told me to do, I won't have any problems. Well, here the disciples are right in the middle of God's will for their life, and they are coming up against a storm. But Jesus himself said, this is what we're going to do. So we know it's right. But they are having stress in the middle of God's will. Pressure, pushing. Verse 24, and they came to him and woke him up and saying, Master, Master, we're, we are perishing. They are stressed. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water and they ceased and there was a calm. But he said to them, where is your faith? Now think about it. They are with Jesus. If they're going down, he's going down. He said, we're going to the other side. But they've lost sight of that. They lost sight of what he said because the pressure's there. And they're looking at the storm and they're looking at the wind and they're thinking, we're going to go down. But the point I want you to get here is that Jesus said, we're going to the other side. When he said that, the grace and the help to do it was already available. If he said it, then all of God's resources to get that done are already ready. Jesus himself is in the boat. Let's, let's, before we say some more, let's look at Mark 4.35. We'll just put this one up on the screen. Mark 4.35. It says, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. So he said, We're crossing over. We're going over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, so they're doing the will of God, they're with Jesus ministering to people, they left the multitude, he tells them we're going over to the other side. They took him along in the boat as he was, at, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said, Teacher, do you not care? We are perishing. So this is another aspect. They, even though they have Jesus there, even though he said we're going to go to the other side, now they're asking, teacher, don't you care? Don't you care we're perishing? And the enemy will bring that exact same thought to you and to me. There's pressure, there's pushing. Even though you believe that God told you to do something, that seems distant because there's so much noise, there's you know, waves and wind and water filling the boat. And it looks like, how are we going to get there? And Jesus is asleep. And they come up and come to the conclusion, he doesn't care because he's asleep. Well, if, if he doesn't care that they're perishing, he's going to perish too. And we need to understand that we are, we need to be convinced, I should say, understand and be convinced and stir ourselves up that God 
is there. He knows what we're going through. He said, what we read in Hebrews, he's, he's, he knows how we're tempted. He knows what we deal with. And he said to come boldly and to get help. But here, they're, now they're thinking he doesn't care about him. Verse 39, he arose and rebuked the wind and said, Peace be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm, but he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? In the, uh, it, you can stay here. But in the other, um, in Luke it had said, Where is your faith? So he's saying to them, In essence, didn't we say that we were going to go to the other side? And they have been with him and they've seen things that he's done, miraculous. And they are saying, Uh, there's no way we're going to get through this. They've forgotten everything they saw. And they're thinking, we're done. And they're waking Jesus up saying, we're, we're going down. And we need, to, we need to know that God's grace in a situation like that is more than enough to take us through because His grace is His enablement. If He told us to do something, then His grace is there to bring us to the other side. His grace is there. What do we need to do? We need to believe. Jesus told them, where is your faith? Why are you so fearful? In other words, you've been with me. I said we're going to the other side. You've seen things that I've done. And for us, we may have seen God come through time and time and time again. But when you're up against it, when the pressure is there, when there's, there's tribulation, the enemy will come and say, you're not going to make it this time. You're going down. And that's the time we need to know what God's Word says. We need to know that when we feel like we're the weakest, that's when we're the strongest. We need to kick in and believe something because His grace is available to us. But the way it comes into our life is by believing that He is there and that He'll help us, that His grace is for us. You know, like we said, like we read in Hebrews, that His grace, uh, that we come boldly before the throne of grace. We come boldly. That's when we need to believe something. That's when we need to believe that I may not be able to do it. I may not be able to get to the other side. I may not be able to, I don't see any way. But God, I believe you. And you said we're going through. So right now, I'm trusting in your grace to strengthen me, to help me, to bring me over. I don't see how. I don't have to see how. That's where the faith comes in, that I believe, Lord, your strength is more than enough. And to make it available, it's available to make it uh, in, in reality in our lives. T.L. Osborne, in his book, uh, Healing the Sick, he said this, A believer does not merely, does more than merely agree that God's word is true. A believer is one who acts on the word of God. See, it's not enough to just agree that, well, that's true, and I, yeah, God could, He gets some people through. And we need to know that when the pressure is on, when there is push, when there are obvious circumstances, real circumstances, there are waves crashing. Figuratively, there are things around that are pressure. We need to know that God is true to His Word, and we need to act on it and make it true in our lives. 
And, and, and the, uh, as, we, as we do that, we're not, an indication of that is, we're going to be calm. How do you get calm? You, we believe that His Word is there for us, and therefore, in the middle of that storm, we can calm and, and, and get to the place where we're trusting Him and be able to think clearly, be able to act calmly, because instead of going, we're going to die, we're going down, what's going on? God, don't you care? We can say, His grace is sufficient. I feel weak. I feel like there's no way. I don't see how to get through this. I don't see any way. I don't have any answers. But He does, and I'm looking to Him. And to act on that, that's how it becomes effectual in our life. I'll finish reading this to you. It says, A believer does, does more than merely agree that the Word is true. A believer is one who acts on the Word of God. God never tells us to do something we cannot do. Obtaining the fulfillment of His promise is more a matter of obedience than of conscious faith. Faith is doing what God tells us to do, then expecting God to do what He tells us He will do. So if He told us His grace is sufficient, if He told us He'll bring us to the other side, then we need in the middle of the pressure to say, Lord, you're going to do what you said. I choose not to worry about it. I choose not to get upset about it. I choose to believe that your grace is taking me through. I choose to believe that your grace will help me. I believe that your grace is more than enough. Right now, we need to understand that his grace is sufficient. God says, you do a small thing. He continues, God says, you do a small thing, I will do a large thing. You do a foolish thing, I'll do a wise thing. In other words, you just do what God tells you to do. You do something that only a human being can do. I will do something that only I, God, can do. Do what God tells you to do. And then expect Him to do what He said He could do. That is trust in Him. That is believing Him. Thank God. Now let's act on this. Right now. Let's act on this right now. Choose to believe His grace is more than enough. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord.